Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. Hey everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we normally would say welcome to Table Talk, but today we're going to say welcome to One Decent Pastor. That's right. We are changing it up because we're, <laughs> one you know, decent pastor. Uh, we decided to, yeah, to One Decent Pastor. That's Pastor Which David. Which one of you guys is the decent? Pastor Chad, Pastor Brent. Between the three of us, we make One Decent Pastor. That's always been the joke. Uh, that's the vicar, by the way, Jordan. Uh, he's, he's here. He's that's here just, today. That's just the vicar. Just the vicar. Uh, yeah, we, we uh, decided we were going to try to uh, start doing this as a podcast because several people have commented that uh, if you want to watch it on YouTube, you have to actually like leave it going the whole time. You can't be doing a couple things at once and do something else on your phone. And everybody in the world right now does a podcast. I think we're the last holdout, so we thought we might as well just just do it and bite the bullet. Uh, but the name Table Talk is used. By just about everybody, I think John Calvin first started the, the, the table talk. Oh, was it not Whoa. him? <laughs> Might have been Luther. <laughs> we can fact check that yeah. later. Uh, yeah. Anyway, a lot of people have used that title over the years, and it worked well for us for quite a while. But uh, we've been going now for quite a while. Years. Yeah, yeah, year and a half. Right yeah, when year the, and a half right when the COVID started is yeah. when we started doing this. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully you enjoy the title. We thought it was funny. So one decent pastor. That's how you'll find it. We'll, we'll give you more information on the podcast. But, uh, yeah, and we're still going to be talking about more questions for uh, for the, questions that you guys sent in. Yeah. <laughs> Things that you're burning to know. Questions. Right, Jeff? Yes. Questions nobody's asking. Yes. <laughs> the questions you should be asking. Yeah. So that's what we're doing today. Anything exciting happening that you guys want to throw out there before we get started? Big announcements in your life and the church? Nothing exciting is coming up. So. We could talk about the weather. But you know, it's kind of. Be dumb. We just had uh, <laughs> a dump of snow on two feet. Dump of snow. Followed by a ton of rain, so a lot of slush. And then today, like the roads are passable. Like it's nice. all so like, what a difference a couple of days make. It kind of reminds you how fragile we are, too, as far as. Uh, I mean, you can literally just have everything come to a halt in a, in a hurry. We ran out of gas in a couple of places the last couple of days. I heard yeah. about that. Yeah, I went to two gas, gas stations shortage. and they were out. I've been keeping yeah. up on the snow. I was just like, Unless you want to pay for premium. Stay ahead of this thing. And uh, and then the guy came by with the, with the plow and just put a two-foot burn of slush. Exactly. <laughs> and I went out and I started to dry and it was like. It happens, it happens every year. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And fortunately, a very nice neighbor with a tractor came by and said, you want me to get that for you? And I'm like, yes, I love nice. you. Thank you. So. <laughs> Problem solved. But, my uh, <clears throat> my day job, as most people know, is like I manage homeowners associations, and the, the phone has been ringing off the hook about that very thing, the, the snow berm. Somebody left a snow berm in my driveway. Can they remove it? I saw on the next door app people in that particular one of the neighborhoods uh, complaining, and so I posted your number so that they could call you. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't know. I didn't, but somebody so, did. I saw yeah. somebody said, here's somebody the place did. that does it, and yeah. here's their number, and I thought, oh, yeah. Chad. And the phone's been ringing off the hook, and yeah. that particular association has over a 1,000 lots, and when you tell people, like, you expect us to clear, you know, a 1,000 berms. Yeah. So that's been my week is dealing with that. I bet. I get, I get like, super mad at them when they do that to my driveway, and then I consider, like, what their job looks like. You know what I mean? It's like they don't have time to everyone's driveway and do what they need to do right but it stinks man yeah it stinks it's part of living in the yeah. winter wonderland that we get to call home yeah. yeah it's been beautiful but man yeah crazy to see how much snow is on my roof i'm like should i shovel that and wake up this morning it's like nope i'm good <laughs> so so there is a trick when you're clearing your driveway that if you clear the left side way back at the end of your driveway you're probably going to be just fine that's what i've heard you're probably going to be bermless yeah what the, the, the plow hits a, a dead area where all the snow now fills that area in, and then the problem is you got to keep it keep it up. So because oh, okay. the, the so it's initially more plowing because you're plowing a whole right. new area, but you're not going to have that burn. That makes sense. So if you tune in to the new podcast, you'll get 
tips for snow tips removal. Tips for snow removal like this. So if you're listening, we'll make, we'll make it worth your time. If you're listening to Florida, Don, she's that's, like, I don't care. That's a bonus <laughs> bonus question right there. What do you how do you clear your driveway? Yeah. <laughs> Should we just dive in there? Let's dive in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're waiting. They're waiting. They're on the edge yeah. of their seats. I know. <laughs> All right. Burning. Uh, we've asked several questions already, and, and those may, you know, you can probably go back and find those on YouTube. Uh, we've tackled some doozies, and today we've got a few more. So, first one is, uh, what is your view of creation? How does it compare with other views, and why does it matter? So, this is kind of a, one of those topics <laughs> that has changed over the years in the church, um, and, and I think uh, pretty divided. I would say a lot of people have different ideas about this now. So, so why? you can either start out with why. What do you why think? has it changed over the years? Or has there always been those different views? I would say historically the church pretty much <coughs> held to a literal six-day creation mm -hmm. for a very long time until mm -hmm. uh, we decided that maybe we looked foolish holding that view because the science community made us you know, feel stupid if we believed that. So we thought, well, let's... Let's look at this again and maybe change it. That's one thought. Yeah. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. Well, yeah, the great enlightenment and just the questioning of everything, <clears throat> science, you know, quote unquote advancing, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's kind of stated as fact anymore that if you don't believe the earth is billions of years old, yeah. you're, you're an imbecile. Yeah. And uh, even a lot of the conservative Christians have like accepted that received that. It's amazing some of the people that have switched over to just a, yeah, old earth yeah. because of that. So their, their hermeneutics determined mm -hmm. on science rather than... I was reading this week a, a well-known, you know, famous pastor that we all know and respect and appreciate who holds to the older yeah. view. Like I was just surprised to hear this particular yeah. pastor put that out there on Twitter. What yeah. do you want to maybe define what the old earth theory is or ideas? <clears throat> I think it would be that that it's you know not a literal six day creation, um, you know that, that maybe God worked through evolutionary means or over a long period of time, um, or that it's just even a figurative you know figurative six day creation that, that could have happened. Like maybe it's even allegory. I think some people would even say. Yeah, I think day age is sometimes kind of it's it's referred to as that, and there's uh, old earth. I think they they kind of become interchangeable a little bit, but. Well, it's pretty, it's pretty biblically clear. I'll read it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Did you miss it? That's the clear text that we have for old earth. It's usually 2, verse 2. And um, none of us should have that hermeneutic. <laughs> so it's like a gap theory or whatever. Is, I think, what it's known as. As yeah, far as Christians that subscribe to an old earth, is like there, there was a huge gap between when he started to create and when and he so, actually created. So that gives you all this all this time that, that people need. Um, what Are there things living during that time and dying during that time in the older theory? Yeah, it, it, there's actually nothing yet. But in the in the idea of the when you know instead of taking a twenty four hour literal period, you've got people that will say that these are ages or epochs, so they're not a literal oh, twenty four hour day. Gotcha. You've got um, you know millions of years potentially mm -hmm. in there where you've got sure. all of this stuff happening. So you've got things living, you've got things dying, all before Adam and Eve in the fall. And so, uh, what would be the issue with that, biblically speaking? Well, we don't have any evidence of it, <laughs> any biblical evidence. I don't think. I mean, what you're talking about, like, like there's some speculation there. Yeah, there shouldn't be, but there's able to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. To the issue I would see with it is that um, you see in Romans very clearly that uh, what brought death into the world, sin did. Before sin, there was no death. Uh, if you if you subscribe to a theory like that, you, you end up with death before sin. And, and now you've got to explain Romans. So Paul, you, you see Jesus talking about creation as though it were a literal six-day creation. You see Paul for certainly talking about it that way, that, that, that death came into the world through Adam and Eve, through the sin, 
um, and, and if you have it before that, now you mm -hmm. basically have come up with an entirely different sure um, theology. Theology, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's convenient for satisfying the scientists and satisfying people that want to say, oh no, this is you know. So, but I think that's partly why people do it. You're you're kind of bowing to that pressure so that we don't look stupid, right? And believe you know you guys really believe this, but. Yeah, I don't have a problem with right. God doing this in six days. Right. Um, so, what do you, what would you do with the the idea that there's the Earth looks old at times? So, like anyone that halfway like understands just like the origins that are set forth in, in Genesis understands that the conditions, like conditions, have everything to do with it. Even today, when we observe things, the current conditions in which change takes place or whatever, um, like is the determining fact. Like you need that to be able to properly measure time, right? I remember once we like went to, um, I think I shared this once, we went to Shasta when the kids were super young and they had these caves like really high up at Shasta. And they have the stalactites and the stalagmites and all this stuff. I forget how high it is, but it's like, it's like five or 6,000 feet like elevation. And as you walk into the cave, there's like this stinking seashell like, um, implanted, embedded, what do we call it, a fossil, mm -hmm. um, in the rock. And it's like natural. So it's like, okay, this is a this is a seashell, this is a saltwater shell. And then you go in and they proceed to tell you about how the stalagmites, based on the dripping that they observe, took this many million years old. And it's like, well, that's true if the drip has always been like this. So when we read Genesis, all that to say, we see a world that was originally created with different conditions. We see people living longer. <laughs> um, we see what, you know, we believe to be like a, a canopy thing. They had a lot to do with that, but then changed. The life of people changed. So we know that conditions were different, which makes it really hard for us with our baseline, with our starting point to measure things. We're assuming that what we're looking at to start to date things with has always been. Right, so that's like error number one, in my opinion. Like you can't do it. Right. You have to assume that that the way things are now is exactly how it was then, in order to come up with numbers. The other thing is that God spoke, and things came into existence. So what if we're trying to date things that aren't able to be dated, <laughs> or that right. were, were created with right. age? Right. You know, I, I, you see Adam and Eve created as full-grown adults, and, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't think the trees, it's like he just wanted to, you know, plant yeah, little seeds plant and, and just kind of watched them go on, and Adam's like, these are awesome, man. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you, you get the impression that there were, these things were, were right, created right, with age. To be. And so, you know, it, it doesn't, to me, that doesn't create a real problem. It's just like, that's easy for me to, like, okay. I mean, if you can believe that there's a creator that can just speak things into existence, that's, you know, there's bigger problems than, <laughs> than that he created it with age, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't get to me. But yeah. I think there ultimately comes down to a presupposition that you have, that there is a God who exists or that God isn't real. Sure. And if you want to go to the great lengths to, to try to do away with God, you need to do away with creation to some extent. Right. And that's, that's kind of what I think we see. Sure. For the atheist, right? For the non-believing world. But like we yep. talked about, there's a lot of guys that love the Lord probably more than yep. we do. <laughs> like super mature guys that are subscribing to this. And like those are just big issues to me. Like it, if, if you're going to trust the science that's coming forward, then um, then you have to, you, you ultimately have to do away with several very clear things that are in our account of creation. Well, even the way which is that things were spoken into existence and that conditions have changed. You, you just can't date that. And the way it's even worded in Genesis, if, if you were trying to get, to convey the idea of a 24-hour period, it's pretty clear. I mean, you couldn't have said it more clearly than that. You know, right. there, was, there was evening, there evening was morning, morning, the first day. And, and the, the Hebrew word that's used there is, is just, you know, it's a 24-hour period. Yom. Yom. Which is used consistently as a 24-hour period. Yeah, so I mean, again, yeah. it's, you know, it, you could have easily, you know, Said, use something different there yeah. to convey a different idea if you wanted to. But for us, I think, you know, generally the door, we land on a 24-hour um, literal six-day creation. And and it, and it solves the problem of um, death coming after sin, not before, uh, which is needed if you're going to trust your Bible. The other thing it does is it, it kind of, for me anyway, if you start discounting the Bible from page one and, and, and start to say, well, right. it doesn't really mean, you know, does, did God really say... <coughs> 
and 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 you kind of go from there. You, your all bets are off for yeah. the rest of it. So that's, that's a good danger, point. right? Yeah. So the, the danger is not just that someone you know may may go, oh, there's no harm in you know not calling this a literal 24-hour period. It's that it's that you're ultimately like maybe playing with like a literal meaning, which is what's going to keep you from doing that as you move through your Bible. Right. What's yep. going to keep you from doing that with the resurrection? What's going to keep you? You know what I mean? Like where does it end? So like it could be a slippery slope. Sure. Obviously. Well, I think that there's some implications, you know, either way that, you know, if you believe in the literal six-day creation, and just as one example, that, that God created human beings in his own image and his own likeness, there's some a set of implications that go along with that as far as the dignity of life and human beings. But if you think that it's more allegory, then, then all of a sudden that dignity isn't the same as if you believe in the literal creation. And it's just, you know, to your point, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. So, and then we, we even have, it, it just so naturally explain so many of the cycles that we have, you know, that we live in, you know, like like the fact, like we have a seven-day week, like where the heck did that come from? You know, just just basic things like that after the pattern of exactly what the Bible says, you know, so. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it takes faith, like everything else we believe, you know, it takes faith to believe in, in, in all of what we do. Yeah. And this is just another area where... I would argue it takes more faith to believe in an evolutionary process than it does that God spoke things into existence in seven days. Like they, everything, everything requires faith because none of us know anybody that was there. Yeah, right. So we're all, we're all basing our belief on origins off of a faith system. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and at the evolutionary theory, you know, most Christians wouldn't subscribe to that. They would, they would try to merge, uh, you know, some of what the, the Bible says along with some of that. So they would, they would believe in some kind mm-hmm. of form of evolution, maybe not macroevolution, but certainly micro, which we believe in microevolution. But, but there's that merging of the two things. But when you just look at evolution by itself and you take away a designer, you take, take, take God out of the equation completely, I would agree with you 100%. That takes far more faith to, to yeah. me to believe in, that, yeah. that all of this is just random chance and that, you know, out of chaos came all that we see today. Just doesn't, yeah. you know, it's just a convenient way to do away with God. Right. Um, this this quote's rad. It says, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Materialists believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos. Choose your miracle. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's good. Like, choose your miracle. Yeah. So. Yep. And I think we see God's fingerprints all over his creation in a way that's just, you can't do away with it. You know, it's, it's clearly yeah. that there was an intelligent designer that, that made these things and, uh, and has the power to do that. And therefore, has the power to create everything out of nothing, ex nihilo, yeah. in six days. And, there you go. and say it's good. Well, the Bible tells us, I mean, you referenced Romans earlier. Romans 1 tells us that, like, look around. You don't have an excuse to not believe that God exists because of what you can see in creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it would be safe to say that us three, yeah, Jordan's quiet. us three, <laughs> believe in a, a young earth, yeah. which is the most natural reading of our origins. Yeah, I would say under 10,000 years. Um, but again, created with age, you know. There's no, there's no, you know, God could have made all of this, you know, created in a way that looks, yeah, like it's older than it is. I don't know about the billions of years things. I mean, again, that that gets hard. Um, you see people dating things that you know the age of that are coming out wacky, and um, so I don't know. That that to me is, I think the idea is the more time that you include, the easier it gets to believe that it all could have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you include more time, and then it's like it's not as far fetched. So I see why it's there, but I don't. It's, it's bothersome that it's presented as fact often. Um, and our young people are growing up believing that. You know, at the school, the school system been teaching it for years. And so, you know, that there's that idea that if you believe the Bible, you have to check your brain at the door. And, and that's just not true. Right. So, Agreed. Yeah. Jordan, you have anything more you want to say about that? Uh, no, I, I, I agree. I think the world was created in six days. I, I hold to that. I think that sometimes people oversimplify um, theistic evolution or those things and they, they kind of misunderstand and they, they muddy this like spectrum between like God created six days and like non-believing evolution and they kind of mix up what what theistic evolution people really believe about it because there's a spectrum even in that um, Do you want to explain real quick what theistic evolution is? It's kind of like what we're talking about theistic evolution would be that like God used evolution as a means of creating that like that is not outside of that is possible that things evolved but that god absolutely like had a hand in that and is the force behind that and that like it would then to believe that you would have to believe that some my understanding of it would be that some of 
Genesis 1 and 2, it would be allegorical then. It would not be like literal days. Um, which I, I do think even the idea that Genesis 1 and 2 is not a new idea, or that it's allegorical, is not a completely new idea. I think the Jewish people believe that before Christ. Some of them, let me be very clear about that. Um, I wouldn't say that was the main view, but I, I absolutely believe in six-day creation. I just think that like sometimes, and this is maybe my biggest issue with sometimes how people approach it, is they like are approaching two chapters in the Bible which are trying to teach us something, and I don't know that what the goal of this is like. I don't know that this is aiming to be like a a scientific textbook, and by that I don't mean that we can't trust it. I just mean that like it's not answering all the questions we have about creation, which it's not even trying to. It's not even right. its goal isn't even to do that. So, but it's it is, the origin was... of all things and that all things originated from our creator, created out of nothing, and that God created in his image and all that. Like, it, what it tells us is absolutely beautiful and important and should absolutely be taken and believed. It doesn't answer all of our questions about creation, which just kind of makes it hard, but I don't, I'm not saying that, like, I don't know, don't misunderstand me with that. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I do believe it's written more as historical narrative than it is, po you know, like a poetic language or something like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's it writing, is poetic, but it is historical. It is, but it's it's meant to be, it's, it's reading like this is the history of how the world began, right. you know, it's, it's kind of, but it's not giving you all the details, it's giving you very small, you know, portion of it. But again, even with the evolution, what you have is you have death coming into the world before Adam's sin. So sin, so sure. when it says in Romans so like, that sin and death entered through one man, if you if you if you believe theistical evolution, you don't believe that. Mm -hmm. You can't. Sure, and even like the questions about like epochs of time, right? Like before the sun and moon are created, we have like day and night. We have like right. things like that. Like there's questions about the the gaps between different verses and whether there's a longer period of time. Like I don't. Sun and I'm moon not showing up super. On yeah, I'm not super interested in speculating. Well, there was light and darkness prior to the sun and right. moon. Like that's different than. Well, I know that's, that's what people, people would argue yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not Revel it in twice. Revelation. You have the sun. You don't. You don't need the sun and the moon because God's right. there. So right. it's like, well, right. that could be the case. Right. I'm not real interested in speculating on like, could it have been longer? Could it have been shorter? I just, I, I want to. When I read it, I want to. What is the? Uh, what's the author trying to get across? For sure. What is like? And there's so much beauty and important things that I think right. sometimes, the, evangelical like, and that's a broad word, but like how tight they want to hold on to six-day creation, like go to battle for it mm -hmm. in culture and stuff. I just don't know if like that's the entire point of everything, but maybe it is an important battleground. To me, growing up in a little bit of Lutheran tradition, it wasn't, it was important. They absolutely taught six-day creation, but it wasn't like this huge battle all the time that I don't, I don't know. I agree. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Kind of like end times in the it same does. way. It's yeah. like, there's a lot of beautiful, important things right. here that we should absolutely study and be aware of and be aware of differences, but like, is is some of the arguments the the most frequent arguments we have about end times? Is that what we should be thinking about right. talking about when it comes to Christ's second coming? I've and been, I feel like Christians like that yeah, too. That's good. I've been annoyed with that at times, like through my Christianity and even looking at things like Ken Ham, and it's like, why are you guys like, you yeah. know, so tight over this? And at the same time, if it is goes back to what Brent mentioned earlier, like what we talked about, the slippery slope. Of like, if you start to compromise, like, what you can gather from Scripture, you yeah, know what I mean, yeah. It, it, if 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 we start to play with our hermeneutic here, then yeah. what keeps you from? And I and I know that's Ken Ham's passion and battle over it. I know that's why he holds it so tight, and I and I respect that because I think that has become a problem in modern day Christianity and evangelicalism is that we have played and done tricks. As far as theistic evolution, I would say the same thing. Um, like our our. We have things in here with a with a with a good hermeneutic that would let us know that things were made after their kind. It's something that's repeated throughout the yeah, account. Yeah, according there, to there are yeah. definite structures. There are definite mm -hmm. intention in the individuality of what God made, always, like from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so to play, you know, theistic evolution stuff, I think you're, it's just again, it's another example right. of trying to play two hands yeah, and I look agree. good, you yeah, know. I agree. Uh, each after their kind, each according to their kind. It's just over and over again in the account that God chose to give us. So, well, and like, if you're gonna just real quick, no, like, if you're if you're ever gonna teach this, like, I, the simplest, most like safest, 
Yeah, the safest. safest. The safest way to teach this is as it's written. Do right. I have like? Do I? Have, do I think sometimes could it have been right. like this? Cause sure, absolutely. Right. I hear you. Am I like 100% absolutely sure on one way of understanding it? Like only what the Bible says, and I don't know. Right. So, yeah. Because yeah. that's all we yeah. can really stand on or, or draw a conclusion <coughs> off of. Not to say that we understand everything, but we can actually draw conclusions off of what's written in the black and not the white. And maybe right. my <laughs> like, maybe my like, maybe I think things are not as totally clear or like totally sure. barring any like epoch in any place or whatever but like I, I don't know I'd just rather teach what it says I don't know yeah there's yeah, a, there's the most agree. literal way to read this that, that you, we can just go with and trust God in it and the, the problem is that what we've seen in the Bible over and over again is that the Bible will state something that's clear science will say well that's not the way it is and then pretty soon you find out the Bible was right it's happened so many yep. times and yeah. I just I just don't I don't need to sit there and you know freak out on this stuff I agree it's not something to separate over as Christians or a hill to die on necessarily um, for me it's, it isn't but I still think the easiest way is just read what it says accept it and move on right it's um, important to like it's important topic to talk about it is. absolutely yeah yeah we don't have we don't have to push the Bible forward to catch up with science yeah uh, we can just wait for science to catch up with the Bible right if, yeah, if like it ever does yeah <laughs> <laughs> fully yeah, yeah. Which, that works well for me. So, and again, faith, yes, absolutely. Yep. But easy for God to do, yeah. <laughs> the God I believe in, absolutely pretty right. easy. So, yeah. All right. So, I'm exhausted. You're already tired. <laughs> we knew that was going. That's why we didn't tackle it last week. Yeah. We knew that was going to be. That was a good one. Dude, to 27 minutes in. That's Whoa. All right. We're I, done. Well, I said we probably won't cue the music. Too. So, <laughs> yeah. well, we got one, we got another couple we could do. There, there's softballs yeah. too. I'm just kidding. Only a softball. This one might be, might not be. Uh, what about tattoos? That's easy, dude. Can a Christian have tattoos? David's going to wear long sleeves today. <laughs> can I jump in final. on this? You can jump in. Anybody can. Because yeah. I have more stuff to say about this one. Yeah, I, <laughs> absolutely Christians can have tattoos. I think that um, a lot of people will point to a voice. Point to a voice. Point, point to a verse in Leviticus. Do you have that? I can get there quick. Is it, like, is it 10, 11? 19. 19, 27. It's real right clear. Next to it's super clear. Right next to Jeremiah <laughs> chapter 10. This, this is super clear. This is clear, definitive, and it just answers the question. Go so, ahead. David, prepare to be rebuked, my friend. You ready? Yes. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourself. I am the Lord. But if, you, you're oh, if you're reading that, <laughs> drop it. Wait a second. Let's read what it says right before that. For the dead. <laughs> you ready? You shall not round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. Chad. Boom. Oh. Uh, you shall not eat any, eat any flesh with blood in it. Jordan. Roasted. I'm just kidding. I don't know if you do that. With blood in it? I don't even know. <laughs> We're going to have to change the name to the No Decent Pastor podcast. Actually, that. my point so, is, <laughs> like, what this the is, study this. If this verse, if you've been told this verse or you think this verse, study it more. So what was going on is back in the day, it was part of, like, cult worship for them to, like, cut little slits and things into their arms and legs and they would push the ashes of dead relatives into those and it would make a tattoo on their body they didn't Sorry, have cool. like to my understanding in this culture don't have the like tattooing that we have today and it's certainly if you read it for the dead like it was a way it was a pagan ritual it wasn't what it is today <laughs> and I believe that too. A little different. Actually, this, this, this whole section, this is the section where you'll read about how you're not supposed to wear uh, clothing made of two different materials. There's a lot of things in here if we want to be consistent. If you, you can't go into a place and eat fruit like that's not you know native to, you know, for three years you can't eat the fruit of that land until the fourth year you can and the fifth year. I mean, there's a lot of things in this section that are going to be a problem if you want to grab onto the tattoo one and say, well, you know, here we go. God was trying to get his people to be distinct from the nations around them who were doing things like, you know, what you just described as far mm -hmm. as the, the cutting and the tattooing. And he's saying, you guys, you know, I don't want you to be that way with this kind of stuff. Um, it's not repeated in the New Testament, you know, any kind of a, uh, you know, saying you can't do that kind of thing. It's popular in Roman. I don't think so. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's an obscure passage that I don't know that it's, it's like what we're thinking of today at it's all. Um, Isn't and the old saying that Jesus is going to be tattooed? Up his thigh when he comes with yeah. so, That's so the no. clearest I've reading of that text. I've heard, a pastor, I've heard a former pastor from the Seattle <laughs> so area that said that one time. Or like tattoos are bad unless you get like a verse <laughs> tattooed. <laughs> the, 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 the mark of the Unless it's actual scripture. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I don't think that's probably what's no. going on with Jesus. But no. uh, but I don't think tattoos. I, for me, I don't have any. Um, it's cooler I, to not have them. Well, yeah. now maybe, yeah. but it wasn't for a while. <laughs> but it's not because I don't like them. I actually like the way they look. I've seen, you know, there's some people just look, it's amazing to look at, you know. Some people. Not, well, I didn't want to just call a guy. I wasn't even talking about David. Mine are kitchen scratches, and I'm not. Some people, I like, I like, David's tattoos are cool. I like them, I do. Some are not good, though. No, I'm not. Yeah, Bottom yeah, Not David's. I can't yeah. pick no, David without tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Um, His lower but, but there's things to consider. You know, it's like I like them. I've just never found anything that I wanted bad enough <laughs> license plate. on me um, for, for good. So, But what would be some things for a Christian to consider if they were thinking about it? Because it's become very popular, and it's, you know, mm -hmm. so, so we wouldn't say it's prohibited, but what would be just maybe some wisdom to consider? When it comes to tattoos. Well, not, not only does our body change, but like we change. Like our head, mm -hmm. our thoughts, our maturity, <laughs> yeah. what our likes, our dislikes. Relationships. So, yeah. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> and I've heard that it hurts a heck of a lot more to have one removed than it does to have one put on. So, yeah. Yeah. Something to consider. Yeah. Yeah, somebody one time said that, you know, that I wouldn't, you know, hang out on my wall as art. Why would I put it on my body? And right. it's like, dang. Never thought of it that way, but there's stuff that yeah, you wouldn't even put in your house, and you're you're sticking it on your flesh for good. Yeah, I remember Mercy and I when we got married. Here's a funny little story. We got married. We got tattoos on our um, wedding ring. She designed them, and it's like an infinity symbol. Which like, are we gonna be married in heaven? I don't know. I think about it sometimes, but anyway, she's not watching. That's the next question. So, <laughs> so anyway, we get these tattoos. We like told people, and then like. Her parents one time sent, which I hope and think don't listen to this, but sent like a magazine to us one day in a care package, really nice care package, awesome. And this magazine was like the dark side of tattoos. It was like a Christian kind of Pentecostally type magazine. And it was like the dark side of tattoos. I should bring it in and like read it to you if I haven't, because it is like gold for like verses out of context. <laughs> and the idea was that like, Sounds good. it was like Mark of the Beast, like tattoos of the Mark of the Beast. And the guy's like, now I'm not sure about this, but I'm pretty sure like the devil's marking people so you can claim them like at the judgment. That's like, what is your deal? It was pretty wild. So awesome. people have a lot of ideas about tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think another you know cool thing to, to, to consider is you know like anything you know we can we can we can make an idol out of it and we can take a kind of a good thing too far, mm -hmm. um, you know which we certainly can do you know with tattoos people you know like maybe a motivation could be you know like like I'm going to shine the light on myself with what I do with my body you yeah. know that that you know might not be a good approach to something like that. It yeah. can definitely be a statement of vanity yeah. for sure. Like there's no doubt. Like there's many ways that you know that we you know advertise our vanity but sure. that's that's definitely one of them and I'm one of those who like absolutely loved them since the first time I, I got one when I was younger and I and I like by the grace of God and my wife I married my wife who hates him and is like that's your that's my body too right? yeah. biblically so I, I haven't I don't look the way that I probably would otherwise but get, there's you get, a you get one arm <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah one arm yeah and what yeah and what was already there and so. his lower back now that that is forbidden <laughs> that's an abomination yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's clear it's that's what leviticus is the thing that god hates what, what about like um what, what kind of doors maybe um could it open when, when you kind of think about paul talking about becoming all things to all men what? you might reach somebody i mean has the lord open doors for you maybe in this arena that I don't even like to say it because like it sounds so cheesy and cliche but there is no doubt over the years that when people found out I was a Christian they were more intrigued to hear yeah. from me because I looked normal to, I looked like something they didn't expect it kind of like broke the stereotype mm -hmm. which afforded me a conversation or a different level of, of their attention than I would have got and I, and I think that's a stupid thing. I don't think that's a reason you should go out and and get it. But, like, the truth is, like, yeah. Like, I, I've had conversations that I never would have had if it wasn't for being inked. Well, I think that, that could be true for you. And, and like, if, if I went out and got sleeved, I don't know that it would work for me. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously, I don't, I don't know that's going to give me credit. Well, that's just the beginning. we got to fix your clothing and other stuff. And yeah, hair. sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that it's going to do, do the trick. You know, so it, it really is that idea of, you know, God is using you in a way exactly. um, that he might not be using me and, right. and allowing you to reach people that, you know, that I might not be able to. And I've watched it over the years. I've just seen kind of um, who you gravitate towards and who gravitates towards you and how it's worked. And it's like, you know, you've used these to the glory of God right. in a way that is allowed you to be missional in people's lives right. and that's you know that 
That's a good thing. Well, and people would call it, you know, seeker sensitive, and you start getting into all that, even at a ridiculous level where you're, you know, permanently altering your body, which is ridiculous when you think about it. But at the same time, like, God is sovereign over those things, mm -hmm. and He has created opportunities for Himself out of whatever this is for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, like, your, your tattoos are part of your experience, part of your story, yeah, part I mean, of your background. It shows you know. that you have a past. Right. Chad. Right. <laughs> Isn't that the old stupid saying? Right. Well, it used to maybe, but I don't know if it does anymore now. It's just yeah. that, you know, you could be, you know, you, the, pe the amount of people that have tattoos. The hip pastors get them now to show that, they have, show that they have. Yes. <laughs> In seminary. I still someday may get one. I, I, I don't know, but like for the life of me, I don't know what crust. it is. <laughs> so I would say just out of wisdom, you know, if it's, yeah. especially if you're younger and thinking about it, um, man, give it a lot of thought. Right. Give it a lot. Commit it to prayer. Right. Think about your motivation. You know, why do I want this? Why am I doing this? And think about the, you know, the long-term repercussions of it. Is it going yeah. to, is it going to be used, you know, for the glory of God yeah. in some way in your life? And, and uh, if so, you know, that we have freedom in that, I think, as Christians. Yeah. Sure. But it's definitely. And for those who like have gotten stuff that they wish. Like wasn't that, like because there's those too. There's older people that have gotten stuff that like that you like. Praise God that we're getting new bodies someday. Yeah, so. that's right. <laughs> no tattoos in heaven. I just think it's we're gonna be changed, Jordan. Our bodies transform. Okay, the next question is: Will you be married in heaven for eternity to your wife, Jordan? Doesn't it say no? <laughs> just kidding. Doesn't Jesus answer that? Sure. Yeah. Someone. Matthew, that's not really the next question. Is it in Mark? He answers it. No. Nope. Okay. So that means you gotta do something about your eternity symbol. David said new body. <laughs> new finger. <laughs> Plus, when G I see Jesus coming, I'm going to hack this off just because it is a mark of the beast. <laughs> you guys want another one? Yeah. Let's do it. I'm, one, getting, I'm peaking one. right now, bro. Okay, this, one, this, one, this one's kind of rough. Um, it comes up a lot, though. What is the age of accountability? Maybe somebody explain what that is first, and then we'll talk about uh, the biblical perspective on it. Age of accountability. What is it? I think it's an idea, there's a couple versions of it, but the one I understand is that it's an idea that at a certain age, you reach the age of accountability. It could be 12, I think I've heard, for because the, there's like a Jewish connection with that. Um, I think I've heard eight before too, like a cognitive idea, but it's essentially, the worst version of it is if you die before that age, you get automatically saved because you weren't accountable yet because you didn't have enough cognitive function to choose to believe in Jesus, I guess, would be kind of the version I've heard. So you have up to a certain age to do all kinds of stuff, and God doesn't care. Actually, I've known some 30-year-olds that don't have the cognitive ability. Right. <laughs> Ooh, that's another so, question. Anyway. What about people who don't have cognitive certain functions? Well, with that, like, let me stop. Keep going. What was the other half of that? That was the bad version. What was the good version, I guess? Or is there know. a good version? I don't know. You or said the worst, but not as bad. Version. Not in my tradition. You said there was a couple versions. You said there's a couple versions. You only talked about one. I think. Oh well, there's the softer one. Would be that like some people would say that essentially, um, like if belief, I don't know how to explain exactly. <laughs> essentially, not worrying so much about like oh you're saved until you're eight or something automatically, but that there are certain ages where people usually have the Call it mental ability to understand the gospel and believe in it, right. which raises questions for me. But that's another version that I've heard. Okay. So uh, it's probably worth saying from the the get go that this is something that people have gone through and have suffered. You know, the the right. pain of losing a young child. Yeah. I don't think any of us would ever say, "Well, you know, I'm sorry. This, the age of accountability is not really a thing." Um, you know, in a way that would do away with the comfort of the, you know, we'd want to give them comfort that, you know, as much as we could at that period of time. But the idea of the age of accountability, is it something we find in the Bible, really? Right. Not that I've found. Have yet to see yeah. it. Yeah, because I think, I think Christians need it more than ever, just for implication reasons. You know, abortion's a big thing in, in the world that we live in, you know, and we just can't imagine, <coughs> can't imagine that God is not, um, you know, going to be just in that, the way that we think he should be just in that, right? And so... So yeah, the implications like Christianity needs more than ever right now. Yeah. But is it biblical? Yeah, that's the question. Well, what would be the problem with it? I mean, what, what's the assumption? Um, the problem is sin, original sin, and then yeah. we're sinful by nature and choice, the right. belief statement says, so. Yes, yeah, they, the idea is that, that children are innocent, 
um, for for a long period of time before before they become sinners. And so they're, they're, they're you know, they'll get into heaven. <laughs> and it's like, well, have you ever had a two-year-old? Because they're not innocent at yeah. all. You know, they're, they're, yeah. little, they're little demons sometimes. Uh, and, you know, so you have that, well, I mean, I, I'm talking about my own. Um, you know, they were, they were rough at times. So the idea of, an, of a child being innocent without sin, it, it's not biblical. You know, you're born into sin by nature and you're a sinner by choice. So right. that part isn't, isn't it. We know that. Then there's the idea of maybe like covenantal theology, which which believes that the children are kind of under the umbrella of the covenant because they were born into a Christian home, and and they stay under the, they're, they're under that umbrella until you know they make a decision on their own kind of thing. That's that's a popular notion. Um, I don't even want to bring up the last one because we've talked about it so much. But like even the fact that like man doesn't save himself ultimately. Right. So mm-hmm. so whether you're young or not young, <laughs> you know when when you pass away like. Salvations of the Lord, right? So we have Romans nine, you know, Jacob and Esau, you know, while they were yet in their mother's womb, before one did good or bad, like God purposed one towards one thing and one towards another, and so like there's ultimately the problem, you know, the determination of God with each individual, yeah. which which He does know us individually, right? You know, so yeah, you have to factor all of these different things in. I think there there's a there is a passage that people go to often in Second Samuel twelve. And it's where David had lost his son um, that was born to Bathsheba. Uh, God basically said, because you sinned and did this thing, you know, your, your son was going to die. And David mourned. He, he was hoping that the son would be healed and that eventually he died. And then when he did die, David's response was, uh, he won't return to me, but I will go to him. And, and in, that, in that idea of what David said is the idea that David had comfort to know that he would be in the presence of the Lord and someday David would go there to be with that son. And, and a lot of people have taken that verse to, to you know, Kind of camped on that, and I can see why you would. I, I, I you know, comforted parents with that same idea sure. that this is what appears to you know David had this confidence. Why? Uh, because he was confident in the goodness of the Lord, and 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 he trusted in who God was, His character. And so sometimes that's all we can look at is we can think about who is God, what is He like, what do we know about Him to be true? And and I would you know in a situation like that where I was talking to a parent, I would that's what I would focus on. This is who God is. This is what we know about Him. And and I would say you have every, every reason to believe that. That's where your child is right now, mm-hmm. uh, because that's I, you know I don't know of another way to think about it, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard, you know. It's just a hard topic that comes up a lot in churches. So right, <clears throat> we have to believe in, in you know the just nature of God and that He's yeah. gonna, He's going to do what's right. Yes, and, and because He's God and you know, He's He's infinite and we're finite, we can't wrap our minds around you know truly what is just. We have our own ideas of what is just in the world, but um, you know we we can't put our own ideas of justice upon God. And, you know, part of our faith, you know, part of what we take by faith is that, that God is ultimately going to be just no matter what, even when we can't see the justice or have a hard time wrapping our minds around how something could be just, that, you know, we just trust and believe that God is just. Yeah. And I don't know how, you know, where this idea of the age of accountability came about. Like, I don't know where, how it originated, <laughs> but, but I have to think that it has to do with just our own ideas of what's just and right and imposing those ideas upon you know, an infinite God that we can't even fully fathom. Well, it was, it was part of saved. It was part of the law, right? So, like the idea, or the idea that comes from, there were different ages that are stated in the, in the law where certain things became a, a reality for people, you know. Um, for and, and I mean, so I would see, say that it's more it's more civil, you know. Um, any mention of it, you know, when it comes to ages, just like it is today, we have, you know, certain ages where you can't do something or can do something, and there's reasons for that, like, there's reasons we've thought that out, and I, I think when we see it in the Bible, it's, it's the same, it's, it's to make, again, everyone, you know, be able to play in the sandbox well together, you know, right. you're not going to stick a, an 11-year-old behind the wheel of a car and say, have fun, you know, and so it's, it's the same thing as far as um, our ability morally and, you know, to con- conceive of those things so I don't think we need to make it a salvation issue I don't yeah. think the Bible make that, that's right. I guess my point so yeah. there's practical reasons for accountability in ages but salvation wise like God does what he wants with all ages yep and and I think we just trust in his goodness in that regard you know, we, right. we know you know that that's what I go back to every time and it gives me comfort and I would hope that if you're if, you, if there's a parent out there that's lost a child that that's that would be their comfort too it's mm-hmm. like this is what I know about God and yeah. who He is and what He's like. Trust and so, those goodness. You know, I would I would trust in that. And I think we do the same thing often with you know I think about some of my grandparents that have passed away and the hope that I take that 
they, they heard the gospel. I don't know, you know, they may not have lived their life that way, but I'm hopeful that somehow before that final moment, they trusted Christ and that I'll see them. And I, and I, I hope in that. Um, and I think that's ultimately, you know, what we have sometimes. That's right. all we can hold on to, but definitely something worth holding on to. Anybody else? Yeah, sometimes that, like, belief seems to inform uh, people's, like, views on baptism as well. Like, even, even church, like how churches are structured, where it's like, some churches don't seem to be super interested in children's ministry almost because of that reason I've seen that where it's like, not that it's super widespread, but I've seen that where it's like, oh, you're just, you're kind of like, like, we don't know what to do with the kids because they're not really able to understand or believe yet. You guys, what do you think of that kind of age of accountability? I guess I haven't really seen that. I, don't, I haven't been in a church that really practiced that openly. I mean, we, we did it out of necessity for a long time. We didn't really have a kids program because we just didn't have people that were, you know, willing to be involved in it. But it wasn't. Uh, and part of it is we like the idea of the integration of the family mm-hmm. and the church service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because so we believe they can hear and be saved. Yes. Right. Especially if if we determine to preach in a way that they can. Yeah. <laughs> Which but, we try to do. But somebody that strategically said, you know what, the kids, they don't, they don't really matter at this point. <laughs> it's just a weird concept to me. I, don't, I haven't run into yeah. that idea. So um, that's weird. Yeah. I visited a church years ago that they had a basement, and the basement was considered the area where you would take your young kids for the purpose of training them to sit through church Dungeon. without you know being a distraction in the you know big church, if, right. for lack of a better thing to call it. Anyways, I thought that was kind of a cool idea that they had a value of training kids to sit through church, uh, even from a pretty young age. And the idea was you know train them you know down in the basement. So that you know, eventually you could come up and <laughs> so that they could eventually <laughs> ascend. No, for real. You so they could ascend cool? to the high place. It was, sounds ridiculous. It was kind of like you know, like a crying mom. You like you could take fussy kids, you know, into a place, <laughs> but they could still, you know, part to, like they they pipe the, ch- the church service down to the basement. It's called a cry. You're trying room, to you know? sell it, but Chad, no, I, I don't. I'm not the the general it. idea of training your kids to sit through church, I thought, was a cool idea that they were intentional about. So that. we we did that at Sovereign Grace, <laughs> but the way that we trained them was that they sat in the service with us. Yeah. And we just dealt with crying or temper tantrums or whatever. Everybody dealt with it. We did it. It's yeah. kind of funny, so. you know. Kids will rise to that occasion if you, you know, if you set that expectation. It can be challenging for sure. But we did it in the home Bible studies we had for years. You know, you'd, you'd have these families that would come with their kids, and you'd think, oh, these just aren't normal kids. You know, they're sitting there quietly through the whole Bible study. Yeah. Sometimes they went long, and then Bible study would end, and it turned into like a, you know, stink of scene <laughs> from Lord of the Flies. These kids were they were crazy kids, like you know, but they sat there and listened. Yeah. But it's a hard thing to, to kind of expect, especially if you're trying to be missional and attract non-Christian families mm-hmm. into your church and, and you know, um, to expect that they're going to be able to do that. So children's ministries is just one of those things that I kind of wish the integration idea was just the norm, but it's it's not realistic. So you do right. need some, you know, we've just come over the years, we've realized we've got to have this to some extent. If you're going to attract young families you kind of need something, at least to a certain age, <laughs> up to the age of accountability, and then, <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> I like yeah. the dungeon idea. <laughs> Stay down there until you guys can see it. Sounds like it was really cool. Like all this, so the annoying kids would be downstairs, and they would learn to shut up, and then I'm <laughs> learning to listen. There is a chain to the wall. <laughs> and if they were loud one Sunday in the main That's trash, right, then they would send them back down back the for dungeon. a couple you just weeks. Have trap doors, you just pull the lever. <laughs> Tortured them. Ushers are like making signals. It reminds me of another church I visited a long time ago where there, there was a fussy kid in service, and actually the pastor stopped midway through service and like called out the kid and the parents. Like, you need to Did get this kid under control. Yep. So, like, I had the exact same thing. Kind of an extreme. I'm going to say it. Was it at Calvary Chapel? It wasn't. Okay. It wasn't. It was back. It was a, <laughs> I took a trip out to Iowa, so it was in the Midwest where just okay. people are generally more conservative. Just and church, whatever church is more church formal, Iowa, you know. I guess. This was like everybody, you had to wear a tie at this yeah. church. It was Ooh. formal, Ooh. you know, kind of a thing. Blazer? Um, I didn't wear a blazer. But what I version did thou useth? <laughs> that one. Yeah, exactly, yeah. did. And that one. I heard it. Marcy told me a story where she was in church and a kid was like lipping off during the sermon, was like talking or messing around, and the pastor came down and <laughs> cracked her right in the face. <laughs> Not Marcy, like another kid, but smacked this kid across Slater the face. The yeah, and then like shortly thereafter, that church closed down. And reappeared a town <laughs> over with a new name. And it was like, hold up. 
Wow. It was weird. I love that story, though, because sometimes... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've done that in my mind a couple of times. Right. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I never thought you could actually just go do it. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, you can't, Yeah, You can't There was a time where you could have. You can't now. Well, yeah. America was great. Growing up, I used to, the principal used to give me swats. I used to go to the principal's office, and you got hacks. Yeah. That was normal. That. That's yeah. all those days are gone. And then yeah. people started liking it, and then now we can't do it anymore. Yeah, ideally, though, it's it's awesome when families can sit in church together yes. and, and learn to do that. And to me, that's optimal, and I would love to see yep. you know more. Here, we, we, have, we try to be very um, gracious about kids that are noisy. They're kids. They're going to be noisy sometimes. I know that's hard for the parent. If it's your kid especially, you just that's all you hear sometimes. Well, some parents it's not that hard for if it's their kid. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, never at the door felt like, man, that kid's annoying. I've mean, felt nah, that way about you'll hear adults things, especially, but not kids. Yeah. <laughs> and here are the pipes. It is you know, both, yeah. but different ways. Yeah, that's why we don't let kids sit up by themselves in the cage, but it hasn't always worked out. It's nice to have, you know, both options and be cool with both. Like Sunday school is rad yeah. for some, and sitting in service is rad, and we're going to let the parents, like, make that call, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll probably wrap it up there. Uh, we've got some more questions coming next week. We've got a question about what is discipleship, what is your end times view, what is the mark of the beast. Tats. Those are just. <laughs> I thought we settled if, it. If we get through those, uh, we'll be doing pretty good next week, probably. Yeah. So, so uh, more questions next week on one decent pastor. On one decent pastor. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Cue the music. Yeah. <laughs> Before the prayer. Yeah. No, we probably should pray. For yeah, that. we should. We should pray. And since Jordan had the. You pray. What is this, man? <laughs> the, the, you know, the awareness that we needed to pray. The, the, Do I pray? Yeah, I think you were the one okay. to realize you guys are screwing up. Can I brain. say something weird real quick for everybody, mm. for documentary sake? Sure. We get these weird messages on YouTube sometimes, and they're like gibberish, but the names are like in Russian letters and then not in Russian, so that makes it even sketchier. And I'm wondering, like, I'm in my head, I've always banned people, like, oh, they're just spamming our thing. But then I start thinking, what if these are, like, persecuted Christians and, like, somewhere... Reaching out for help. Trying to reach out, I'm like... <laughs> and they're, like, trying to do their best in English, I'm like, banned. Or they're Russian bots out to get us. I, it's probably yeah. bots, dude. So, I don't know. Let's pray. <laughs> Perfect time. Perfect segue. Yeah. All right. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity to get together and to answer questions about um, our Christian lives and your word. And uh, thank you for the wisdom and truth you give us in your word and help us to be good students of that. Um, give us your spirit to understand it and to go with us today as we leave here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Adios. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org.